You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast part of the Lucha Podcast LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and other from the network available on all main podcast streaming. I'm Miranda Morales, well, the co-host of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and it is my pleasure to bring in my two co-hosts. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going today? Uh, it's going fantastic. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going very, very well. I am very excited for this week's show. Uh, I mean, some big, big news coming out. I'm not going to spoil it, but also, if you're like not living under a rock... You also probably have an idea about what we're going to talk about. But I will say no more. (laughs) Because in order to do this, we have to do this with the third member of our team. And that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. Hey. Hey, how we doing? Doing great. (laughs) Doing good, doing good. Did I spoil too much? Did I say too much? No, I I think I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Say no more because, yes, indeed, we have a lot to cover, like we do every week. We always come up here and always kind of, not surprised, but astounded by the news and events happening each week in the world of Lucha Libre. But that's our job, and it is our honor and pleasure, H&Ps, you know, for short, to bring you this news, this information, these results every week. So let's get to it, Brendan. Why don't you start us off with the road back to shows? All right. I'm going to start with some fantastic news. Mexico City is still yellow, so they're still ramping up to to having – Fans at shows and uh, people of uh, the tourism commissions talking about how they're going to maybe do things to get people to, to get out of the house a little more, which is great. I, uh, all of this is good news. Um, hopefully we don't get a resurgence. I'm just knocking on wood on this. But, you know, that's where we're at there. So we're, good news to start with. Um, speaking of exciting news. You know, we've talked about Federation Wrestling, you know, maybe being a lot of sound and noise that blows over after a pay-per-view or two. But this first pay-per-view is shaping up. So uh, they had more talent announcements. Uh, They announced Ricky Marvin and Hijo del Espectro. Now, um, most people that are listening are pretty familiar with Ricky Marvin. He's a seasoned vet in uh, Lucha Libre and... uh, you can you can probably go to most AAA pay-per-views in the last 
five years or so, and he's there somewhere. Usually something awful is happening to him because he seems to be a glutton for punishment, but uh, he still manages to win a lot. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. Hijo de la Spectro is the one that caught my attention, though. He's uh, We've talked about him on the Indie Roundup a lot. He's uh, Obviously, he's the... the trainee or or relative of of a, a spectro who uh is a very classically trained luchador they uh he's it's a kind of a very simple costume he's kind of a big green monster with an ugly grin but yeah. this is <laughs> this is a big guy who can like a lot of luchadors he can fly around the ring and he's the one that did the infamous running destroyer so uh, he's been he's been doing a lot of shows up in the north for chaos and lucha time and other things. So uh, this is the first really big show that I'm aware of him doing. He's done uh, he has done IIWRG, so he's on the national scene. Uh, but let's be honest here, the the world is going to be watching this first Federation pay per view. So super yeah. exciting. Um, they also announced the first tag team that's going into the uh, 20-man Copa. Uh, 20, I would probably, should be a 20-team Copa. But probably, I don't yeah. know. But uh, uh, it is uh, Los Negociantes, mm-hmm. uh, Demono, Demonio Infernal and Fresaro Jr. Uh, they are, again, uh, primarily working IWRG and, and promotions up north. They are currently in this picture. It looks like they are the currently the Chaos Tag Team Champions. Uh, so it's big, big for opening move there for tag team wrestling. Um, I'm very excited to see how this goes. Federation Wrestling is... Uh, is is doing i mean the, the show is still a ways out but they're, they're every week they're putting out just the right amount of information to keep me going uh and then as we'll talk about this later they're they're uh they're not letting themselves fall out of the uh the attention either by they they're showing up at other people's events so they're using other people's tv to get themselves more over which is interesting but it's working uh and more good good back to show news here um roh has announced that they're going to have fans at their best in the world taping on 7-eleven i just always love saying the date that way 7-eleven so that uh they haven't announced how many fans they're going to have what kind of restrictions they're going to have any of that sort of thing but they have said officially they will have that will be their return to fans, which uh, is great news because Best in the World is usually a fantastic event that happens anyway. And having fans there usually helps those wrestlers kind of elevate to the next few, next level, as it, as it were. Um, going to move on to not some not as great news. L.A. Park did announce that he's going to be out of wrestling for a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, he's got a what they're calling as a pneumonia, so it's not uh, anything else. It's not anything scarier, although pneumonia is still pretty bad. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's L.A. Park. He's, he probably would punch pneumonia if he could. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then, and so I have, uh, and then the more, the more good news, uh, we have Cassandro's social media says that Cassandro's improving after having the surgery last week for the aneurysm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, always good news to hear anybody's doing well, but as pretty well established, we're big fans of Cassandro on the show. So, uh, always happy to hear good news for him. And then uh, I'm going to close out the uh, road back to shows with kind of your kind of an interesting story that takes a bit of a turn. Uh, Tinny Ablis, the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, was uh, doing a reality dancing show where you know, kind of like so you think you can dance or something like that. Where he's paired up with a a, a partner and, and dancing. He got about three weeks in. There's clips all over. The YouTube of Tinny Ablis dancing. He was doing a lot of kind of up-tempo, uh, popular sort of looking dance and, and doing pretty well with it. Uh, kind of fun. He did get eliminated this week, although I think that it, uh, had a lot to do with the, the loss of chemistry with his partner because partway through, and this is the big clip that, uh, is everywhere right now. He improved and gave his partner a little bit of a spank, and she seemed to not be into that. And then later went on the uh, on the interview show and said that that was not planned. Um, apologized to the fans and to Tinny Ablis for not finishing the routine, but uh, you know with this much gusto. But uh, you know, she seems like he was a little shaken up on it. So. Uh, that's the, the whole of the story there. Uh, you know, kids don't improv with your dancing on television, especially if you're not the professional, right? You wouldn't do that. I mean, Tiddy Ablis wouldn't do that with a, in the ring. He wouldn't improv a new idea. Just be like, hit the ropes and I'll make something up. So, uh, you know, same thing. Just, just don't do it. You never know how it's going to, if people will react. Uh, but that is our road back to shows. Um, we, uh, you know, a fair amount of, of good information coming out. It's more, more positive than definitely than when we were starting this segment a year ago. Uh, so I look forward to being able to rename this, this segment at some time in the hopefully near future. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you will. It sounds like <laughs> you will. But uh, a segment whose name's probably not going to change. <laughs> It's even been uh, used, you know, copied, however you want to, you know, put it into words. Uh, We also have the Indie Roundup. We do. Uh, As uh, I was mentioning, we did have an IWRG event. Uh, Rather than go over the whole show, I'm going to remind people of the results for IWRG events are up on LuchaCentral.com. But uh, the, the relevant one that I wanted to go over was we had a match with DMT Azul and Puma King against Demonio Infernal and Fresario Jr. So, kind of setting up some some things that could happen at Federation Wrestling right there. Uh, the it it is a brawling match. Uh, it, the it was described by several people as ending in a completely out of control manner. Uh, I, uh, the security got involved, the locker room had to come out and break up the fight between these four men, so, you know, that's, 
kind of where if you're thinking about like um, your your big pull apart scrums that you've seen on on uh, any of the television shows, that's kind of where we were at. Uh, before that, it was it was not much better. Lots of punches, lots of uh, sneaky uh, sneaky foul type moves, and uh, you know still a bit of Puma Kings involved, Fresario Juniors involved. There's, there's, there was a lot of good athletic stuff, but there was a lot of punches and, and a lot of brawling. And uh, in addition to that being IWRG style, because of these four men being involved also in other promotions, including Federation, this is going to kind of bleed through, and you'll probably hear more results in the Indie Roundup about these four people beating each, each other up. So that's why... Uh, Wanted to share with that. Uh, we are building back up, especially now with uh, Mexico City being yellow. So uh, I will be talking more about these things. So I'm going to give this this another shot here. We uh, we still have time to get your shows talked about on the air. So promoters, fans, uh, wrestlers, teddy bears, anybody that wants to send me in. in it, Independent match. It doesn't have to be the full card. If you've got one luchador on the card and you're you're working out of uh, Alaska, you know, or wherever, uh, send me the match. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it, and uh, at the very least, I will say thank you on the air for sending me product. So uh, that's that's my pitch. That's the indie roundup for this week. Well. Before we get into this, the, the rest of the news from this week, we are going to kick it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Max, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. 
From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. As always, a huge thank you to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, we're getting to the big news right away, and that is this week in AAA. So, Dusty, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, we had a ton of AAA news this week, all regarding Triple Mania. At the press conference on Tuesday, May the 18th, it was revealed that Triple Mania will be held on August the 14th at Arena Mexico City. And pending any co- changes in COVID regulation, it will have attendees, you know, in the stadium. But they couldn't say how many. It'll all kind of be on a shifting scale regarding the, you know, regulations and the just how the COVID situation is at the time. But we also had the announcement of three singles matches for the card. Uh, first up, we had Andrade versus Kenny Omega. This had been hinted at at Rhea de Reyes, um, you know, teased on social media. This was officially announced at the press conference. But also there was some subtle hinting that Psycho Clown wanted to wrestle Andrade for the Mega Championship. So there's kind of the interesting scenario, you know, does Kenny Omega lose? Will AEW let him lose? You know, it's interesting. And then we also, next up, speaking of Psycho Clown, we have Psycho Clown versus Reyes Scorpion. This is going to be in a place this match, mask versus hair. This is a match that pretty much has a foregone conclusion on the ending. I don't know that anybody sees Psycho Clown losing his mask at this juncture in his career, especially not to Reyes Scorpion. If it was a, you know, a bigger opponent, I think we'd be more likely to have a less predictable ending, but. Yeah, know, Go ahead. No, I just, there's, the, the weirdness is that because of where he's at, there's, it's only gonna be predictable one way or the other, because, <laughs> like, he'll, he'll lose if he goes in there, and a place this match against Blue Demon, but right. like, you know, he's, otherwise he's probably gonna come out on top of most of these at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Reyes Scorpion kind of advertised himself into this match, which is interesting. And I, 
I kind of admire that. Like he just kept promoting it on social media until it actually happened. And, and hey, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes that's how it works. Is is the yeah. power of self promotion? Well, a, a lot more luchadors are doing this. So like when I'm picking out stories for the road back to shows and indie roundup there's always every week there's a story about somebody on social media is trying to start a thing i mean we talked about dr wagner a couple of weeks ago trying to start a thing with bad bunny on social media they they are very good about believing in themselves and trying to find that way to get to get somebody invested in, in doing the match they want to do that's uh la park and and uh and Dr. Wagner for years have been trying to get an apuestas match between the two of them just by social media and sometimes being in the same arena at the same time. So uh, somebody will put up the money for it someday. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> an exciting match. Uh, we also, speaking of an apuestas match, we have Fabi Apache versus Diana Parazzo, title versus title. And it was actually stipulated to be title versus title, not Diana versus Fabi Apache, meaning that whoever holds the titles at that time mm-hmm. will wrestle, which I thought was interesting, but maybe it's just to, to make a, a more legitimate feel for the the match. I I just thought it was a strange thing to, to include. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how that goes. It's, it's like I say, interesting. And then the other thing that nobody thought to ask, no, you know, no reporter asked, was international viewing for Triple Mania. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and given everything that we know about the lawsuit between Lucha Libre, FMV, and AAA, like, do you think there's any way this is resolved by August so that it can be seen, at least in America, if not internationally? Probably I mean, like, not. this is their biggest show of the year, <laughs> and I mean, like, well, I mean, but it doesn't make them as much money on social media as it would the other And you have, you know, uh, more U.S.-based wrestlers on the show, too. So, Absolutely. I mean, there's already now a, a foregone interest from U.S. wrestling fans to watch this show. Well, especially with Kenny Omega and Deanna Perazzo being yeah. champions and a lot of eyes on the Impact product lately and the champions there. You know, it's it's interesting, and I, I just don't know what they'll do. I mean, I, if I was AEW, I would push for something to be done so it could be viewed because you want people to have those eyes on Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what the cross-branding is about is to bring more eyes to your product. And, and they would – and AAA would be dropping the ball by not having – those eyes on their product, but again, I don't know how much their social media views make them in the United States. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much assume they don't. Like people like us will watch that, watch their social media pretty regularly, but uh, it's not going to spike up. It's going to be pretty much the same normal people. I did want to point out though that Conan had, was very confident three weeks ago that by now we would be able to see Ray DeReyes in America. So I, it sounds like they're working on something, some sort mm-hmm. of workaround. Um, now, I haven't found any official announcement of Ray DeReyes being available through official channels, 
and uh, I can't support piracy in my house, so I I, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> just gonna say the yeah, FBI. You're not support it, but you know, nah. maybe you ask around <laughs> and you've heard through the grapevine. Well, I've I've managed to see uh, a lot of it on YouTube, uh, so I'm just yes. you know, but uh, semi-legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, it, the FBI won't come looking for me with YouTube videos. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, so between Conan's confidence and like Dusty was talking about, uh, AEW needs this to happen. So I'm, I mean, I'm almost holding my breath waiting for a big announcement. Like, you know, it'd be very interesting if they did something like the old closed circuit things where you had to go somewhere to see it. But, you know, it, but that's a, a option that can happen, too. Like, go to well, make... And what's interesting about that is AEW Double or Nothing is being shown in Cinemark theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe Triple Mania will be shown in theaters in Mexico, from what I understand. So it is kind of a natural fit that they could maybe live broadcast to movie theaters in a way. Yeah. Um, we've seen, I mean, there's like live opera events and stuff that happen like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that might be the workaround for the the lawsuit. I don't know the wording on, on the, the contracts, obviously. So, but that was, that was a thought that I had seeing that uh, they don't, I can't see the AEW stuff in theaters here, but that has more to do with our COVID status than anything so yeah yeah i can't see it here there's just no cinemark theaters here so (laughs) (laughs) that's the other unfortunate choice they might have done better with a different theater chain but yeah yeah but it's it's interesting i mean and the the press conference seemed to like i don't know it's their most important show they get a lot of got a lot of information out they get a lot of views and stuff based on it but it kind of went under the radar and it took a while for this to hit social media so it'll be interesting to see what they do with triple mania it seems like mexico is their focus right now but we'll see yeah i you know, I, I think that the big news story that really came out of, of this that made circulation pretty quickly is Kenny Omega versus Andrade. And, um, you know, that I think, too, just based off of um, uh, this really being on. Well, no, because what Federation or whichever event is happening in July. So this won't be his first match back. Right. Right. Federation will be the first one. Okay. Federation will be the first one. Okay. Um, But still, I mean, this is a a really big matchup. And to be honest, you think about his last defense against Laredo Kid, and that was a great match. But I think size-wise and wrestling ability-wise, too, it just felt uneven. This matchup feels a lot more even in size and competition. Um, So I think... And and I think overall, when you look at Kenny Omega and his title defenses, plural, as he's defending all, you know, championship he has with all companies, to me, this feels like the most exciting because I feel like this matchup does make you wonder and guess more than, and I know we'll talk about it, in you know, later, but this one makes you feel like, wow, this this is a comparable matchup 
Yeah, yeah, they're very evenly talented. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it, in addition to the Kenny Omega's got to lose at some time, it really does feel like this could be the one. So yeah, there's that. It's very exciting. I well, um, if, yeah, if not Andrade, then who? You know, yeah. I mean, like he would make the most impact. You know, for beating Kenny Omega, and it would, I mean, and we all know he's that good, and it would he just really kind of is. show everybody and make him a big deal again. Yep. That's exactly what AAA would need, is somebody like Andrade to win the title back for them, to really catapult themselves back to where they were before COVID and the lawsuit kind of took the wind out of their sails. Yeah, agreed. But it also, I mean, I, jumping to also the Fabi Apache and Diana Parazzo match, Ooh. that one, I mean, my guess is also leaning to, you know, Diana, if, if we do have Fabi and, and Diana, and that's also a really good point, Dusty, the way that they talked about it made it seem that in between now and August, they may have, you know, on either side have new champions. I, I doubt on Impact side that they'll change the title, but it it seems Maybe possible that someone else in, in AAA may become Marina de Reina's champion, but it's hard for me to believe that um, that that Diana's going to lose this. That then the Impact Knockouts Championship will end up in AAA. I just, to me, yeah. I, I this one to kind of talk about foregone conclusions. It's a leaning more towards you know. Um, Diana winning this and I'm curious then if we actually see the Reina de Reina's championship on television because that was something with uh, Taya that was acknowledged but we never saw on television was the Reina de Reina's championship we saw it every once in a while make an appearance especially when they were in Mexico but that was it um, so it, you know this could be the one way that Impact really then seizes an opportunity and then is able to bring a championship into their company whereas you know, their champions, uh, as of at least us up till today, uh, you know, you had Kenny being your impact champion and Finn Juice being your tag champions. Um, so you already had half of your championships lying with people who are not regularly with your company. Yeah, it would be important for them to retain that. And it would, I mean, it, it, I don't know. Even if you, count on the views from say new japan or AEW with kenny omega but i mean triple a can't be bringing that many views to impact especially if people mm-hmm. in america can't see the program yes yes and so it yeah it's just kind of a foregone conclusion that whoever whoever faces diana Parazzo will you know not for you know will not be the winner but uh, oh we can see I, I like I said last time we were talking about this. I I I, uh, I can see it possibly going the other way. It just relies on TNA being, or sorry, Impact, uh, old habits, Impact uh, being willing to take uh, a, a bigger risk on a bigger uh, on a much bigger storyline. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, even then, like, what what's the benefit, I guess, of your knockouts championship, your women's championship going to AAA? Like, I just, 
it, she would if, just have to go to Impact. Like, it, it yeah. would just yeah, have yeah. to be no, Fabian that's, Impact. Yeah, Fabian would be, you know, and that would be a great, I mean, we've seen her on Impact before, as far as I remember. She did She did have a, a short stint there. So um, I think it would be, uh, again, a great way to bring a Lucha Libre presence on the show because they really are lacking that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I agree. That would be kind of the only way it would work for me. Yeah, and it would be more interesting. We have Kenny Omega as the Impact Champion, but we hardly ever see him on. We hardly ever see him wrestle. So if we could have Fabian see her wrestle, you know, on a weekly basis, especially like that, would be incredible. Yeah. And so I'm, there's, go ahead. I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'm I don't think it will. If if we're going to have a AAA Champion win, I don't think it'll be Fabi or Fabi. Uh, I I think I think um. She, from my understanding, she didn't have a great experience wrestling up here before, and she seems to be very, um, uh, mistrustful is kind of strong. She seems to be less than willing to, to trust, uh, American wrestlers, uh, by reputation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think, uh, I think if, if we have a, and that's why the the wording here made me think maybe that's what they'll they'll do some they'll have somebody else maybe win win it from her in the interim so that that's not the as big of an issue. Well, there's still the possibility between now and Triple Mania of a mm-hmm. show like Verano de Escondolo or something where we could yep. see you know uh, Lady Shawnee yeah. is always a top contender and yeah. she would be really interesting on an international level and. You know, I would love to see Lady Shawnee in Impact too. Like that would really be a fresh matchup, fresh change. So, yeah, I don't know. Anything <laughs> works for me, I guess. I'm just looking for luchadors to work in America and more people Heck to yeah. enjoy lucha. Yeah. yeah. Before I forget to mention it again, the other matches have not been announced, but they did amount did announce it would be a six to seven match card, and you can guarantee a Marvel Lucha Libre match, probably with the women. They're introducing a lot of the the women's superheroes right now. There will be a Copa Triple Mania, and there's almost always some kind of match where they bring people in, probably from Impact. You know, uh, we've seen Jeff Jarrett before in the past come from Impact. Uh, so, I mean, I think we'll see somebody surprising, maybe somebody interesting, and who knows what the other match will be, but it'll be... Interesting to see how this goes. It's going to be the first really big event, at least the first really big event announced in Lucha in Mexico City, and it's super dependent on the COVID regulations, how everything's going at the time. So there's so much of it that's still up in the air, even though we know so much of it. It's just one of those interesting things. But we'll keep our eye on it, keep reporting back with new information as it comes up. Oh, yeah, they'll be dropping lots of news from between now and oh, then, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And we are going to cover it, so make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast each and every week so you stay up to date on everything happening with AAA. But up next, Dusty, you're pulling double duty again because we have this week in AEW. Yeah. Well, first up, Monday night, we have AEW Dark Elevation. And this week, we had Masked Republic Superstar Penta El Zero Miedo with Alex Ebrahantes 
and he was up against Robo. This was Penta's <laughs> first solo match in a while. And Alex Abrahante said on, uh, I believe it was Twitter, that the only ro- that Penta says the <laughs> only says. Robo he likes is RoboCop. <laughs> so I mean, there was already that, and and even though it was his first singles match in like four weeks, he was in top form. Penta mm-hmm. easily dominated the match. Robo seemed a little green to me, just a little inexperienced to maybe the bigger style, the bigger. You know, the TV set up, the, it just, he felt a little inexperienced to me. And I felt that because of that, Penta was maybe giving him a little too much in the match and should have been a little more dominant. But it was a fun match. Robo had a good look. Uh, putting him against somebody like Penta in his first match means that AEW must be seeing something that I missed. And Penta is so charismatic and so fluid and effortless that it could make anybody look inexperienced. So, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see him going forward. And like I say, his placement against Pentagon means AEW is interested in him. So it'll be, you know, interesting to see what happens going forward. Next up, we have Tuesday Night Dark. And our first highlight match of the night was Diamante versus Chris Statlander. And this was an incredible match. I wish it could have been on TV instead of on Dark. These women were just fantastic. It was kind of like a Hoss match for women. I found it really interesting and entertaining. Chris Statlander just obviously has that rocket strapped to her back in the women's division. I think she'll be one of the big contenders once Britt Baker becomes champion. I think she'll be somebody who challenges Britt Baker. But even though she has that big push, this match felt like it could have gone either way. But Diamante made the alien mad with a big slap. It sounded like a car door slamming. It was a big (laughs) slap. But Statlander was able to use that as motivation, and she hit the Big Bang Theory and got the win. And next up, we had Angelico versus Very Morales. This was a great match, and big compliments to Angelico because I thought this was the best that Very Morales has ever looked in AEW. Like, it was a a really good match, but no matter how good he looked, it wasn't enough to come up against the Navarro death roll, and Angelico was able to get the win with it just before the five-minute mark. And then we had Dynamite. There's not a ton of Lucha-relevant news, but they revealed the full card for Double or Nothing, For the world title, we have champion Kenny Omega versus Pac and Orange Cassidy in a three-way. For the world tag team titles, we have the Young Bucks as champions versus Jon Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Women's world title, Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. TNT title, Miro versus Lance Archer. We have a second stadium stampede between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. And then we also have Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. Now, I didn't mention Penton Phoenix, if you noticed, because once again, they seem to be relegated to involvement only in the Casino Battle Royale. Penta is an announced participant, but interestingly, Phoenix is not. 
this is a disappointing turn. They this happens every time they have a pay per view. Like they're mm-hmm. always stuck in the battle royal some way, either the tag team or the singles like this. But this time I feel, especially with Phoenix being left out, it may be based in Pack being in the main event that we may see some kind of involvement from Phoenix, if not the Lucha Bros, through the Death Triangle faction. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then we had big news that broke this week that Dynamite will be moving to TBS in 2022. They renegotiated their deal. They got a 10-figure uh, pay raise, I guess, payment to change networks. They will be having a new one-hour Friday night show called Rampage, debuting on August the 13th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. And although that was a really wise choice for AEW to lock down their spots before the new Warner Brothers merger, especially after what happened to WCW, mm-hmm. do you guys think this spreads the, the product slash talent too thin? Or, like, I mean, they say it's going to be just a one-hour show with more of an undercard feel, but it's going to be dependent on ratings, and people want to see the stars. and. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll it just be interesting to see what happens here. I feel like AEW is really grabbing for that WWE reach, but it took WWE 30 years to yes. get there. Yes, yes. That is, to me, what my biggest concern is, is that there is a lot of growth happening very quickly. And it's, and it's you know... It, WWE has paved this path for them, whether how much they want to acknowledge it or not, that's, you know, their business. But the reason they have, you know, like WWE walked so AEW could run, you know, only being in existence for what, a a little, almost two years now. Yeah. And now they have four products, four weekly television, four weekly shows. Renegotiated their deal twice. Renegotiated their deal twice. Now, financially, it absolutely makes sense. They've made leaps and bounds financially by renegotiating their contract. And it, to me, it feels like probably it was incentivized that you'll get more money if you change networks. Now, I think, too, the perception of where TBS falls in the spectrum of Warner Brother products and, and stations and, you know, is it truly equivalent to TNT? Is it less? Is it more? You know, I think that perception, I think, is still going to be hard to to tackle. But, you know, wrestling promotions need money. And if they need money to to be sustainable in the long term, then a change to a different network isn't that bad. But I think the unique thing about WWE, whether people like it or not, and this works, is that each show is its own brand. You know, mm-hmm. Raw is its own thing. NXT is its own thing. SmackDown is its own thing. Whereas mm-hmm. AEW is just one product. And yes, they are able to do different storylines throughout the shows and they're able to showcase different talent. But eventually you're going to need to kind of distinguish these shows and either really decide, are all of these shows going to be continuous and storylines from dark will come on to uh, dynamite or to rampage or are you really keeping the YouTube shows that separate and your television product that separate you know I think that is what to me I feel like they just need to have a little bit more definition um, in order for I think fans to understand what the direction of the the product is but also for them because at the end of the day, what we've seen work very well in Dark is that it gives them 
gives talent an opportunity to shine and get prepared to move to television. Uh, but two, at, at the end of the day, you know, is that sustainable? You know, because eventually you're just going to hit your cap of how much talent you can have on television. Absolutely. So, so, you know, what happens after that? To me, it's just more out of curiosity is just kind of that. But but I, I absolutely agree with your statement as far as the growth rate now compared to what WWE has done. And to me, I am a little nervous on the rapid growth rate when we're already seeing things not having a clear direction at this point. There's been storylines and talent that they haven't utilized to the best of their ability, or they publicly stated that they were going to do differently when they first became a company. And we haven't seen that come to fruition. Yeah, I think that's super true. And I think the, the definition of each program and what they all mean is going to be more important even than the channel. Nobody watches USA network for like old reruns of SVU and NCIS, you know, like that raw is like their big thing. NXT is their big thing. Same thing with TNT. It's, it's old movies. You know, it's like reruns of gladiator. I mean, wrestling brought eyes to the channel more than anything else. It's just where they just going to show hockey and basketball now. Yeah. And so it's, it's just different, and I think that being on TBS, where they can be the focus, they won't be preempted. They, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think it'll be a very pleasant and positive change for the company. And look how much focus TNT gave them. I mean, they really did shine a light on AEW, mm-hmm. but on TBS even more. There's not that attempt at seriousness and taking itself seriously that TNT has, and so there will be. I think of more openness to embracing wrestling from TBS. Maybe not. Maybe let's, it'll just uh, be more of the same. Let's not forget that TBS is, has a history with wrestling too. Yes. 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 And we all know so, AEW is is trying to be WCW Junior. You know, they are. I mean, yeah. like they're yeah. they're they're the second yeah. coming of WCW. So there is a lot of history there. And also to note, so their their presence in TNT isn't going away completely because they are going to have four super shows uh, a year on TNT. So the presence is still going to be on TNT, and maybe that is a way to draw more viewers to TBS. And maybe that is also a, a really unique aspect, which has you know vibes of Saturday Night's main event and Clash of, uh, of Ooh, the Champions on. Champions, it too. Yeah, yeah class yes. of champions. So I mean, I feel like that too can be very interesting in the portfolio that AEW offers, and still have a presence on two networks, which is uh, that I think is going to be very smart, and I think will be good for um, you know the company in general. But yeah, absolutely, Brendan. Like any anyone who knows and has been able to see the writing on the wall that this has shades of, of WCW written all over it, and but I do think more of those fans who used to watch, you know, Superstation, mm-hmm. you know, WCW Classic are fading away more and more. And that's not really AEW's audience. AEW's audience is a much more younger audience. And I think it is a lot more challenging to get that older, more nostalgic audience interested in especially in AEW. Like, I feel like because it's a bit more random and, you know, the storylines are a little bit more over the place, the matches are, you know, a a little bit more, uh, I don't even know, 
Yeah, well, it just feels well, like it's different have, than the classic wrestling of you know yesteryears. Mm-hmm. We have we have a, a great example of this uh, because we just came out of Blood and Guts, which is basically War Games, WCW War Games. But the next clash between those two factions is going to be Stadium Stampede, mm-hmm. which is not something a classic wrestling fan is going to get behind. Yeah. No. <laughs> It, well, and that's the thing. Like, they have this hip, young cachet where, you know, the shirts are popular, the the company's popular. But then instead of, like, embracing that, and w- which they kind of do with social media and, the, you know, being the elite, but they're also trying to reach for that WCW nostalgia. And the people they should be trying to reach were born or maybe not even born after WCW ended, you know. Like, Stop making me feel old, Dusty. Gosh. Yeah, well, like, well <laughs> I know, but, I mean, like, when you're looking at that 18 to 25 yeah. market, you no, know. No, but you're absolutely right. There's yeah. people who don't even like weren't even alive in the later years of WCW. Like it's just crazy to me. It's just crazy. But, but a lot of them still are very aware of that WCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so by kind of it's not just that they're trying to catch the old school wrestling fans. They're trying to catch that vibe for these young fans so that they can feel like they're part of living history. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's a weird. I'm, I mean, this is my assumptions based on the actions they've taken and and things that they've done. But, yeah, they, uh, you could also just as easily say they're all over the place and can't decide what audience they're, they're trying to court uh, on each week if you want to take a more cynical <laughs> view. <laughs> but, <laughs> I see that. Yeah. You ain't wrong. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> Possibly uh-huh. so. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> Well, that seems to do it for this week's AEW. Don't forget to find the results of AEW Dark and Dynamite on LuchaCentral.com. We do have a quick update for you on MLW. They aired their first uh, episode uh, day of the MLW Open Draft uh, earlier today, which is Thursday as we're recording. And uh, just a few interesting notes. One, and this is going to give my slow clap of the week to MLW because of the nuance of continuity in storytelling, which is, seems silly, but something I can greatly appreciate. This week we got confirmation of Dario Cueto's new name is Caesar Duran. And host of the Open Draft, Alicia Atut, mentioned that this is a new alias for El Jefe due to the fact <laughs> that he may be wanted by authorities for faking his own <laughs> So that's how I you love it. That's how you tighten up a storyline. That's how you wrap up a storyline from a show from years ago. Because that was something that people actively were wondering about. How are they going to address Dario Cueto died at the end of the the last season of Lucha Underground? Well, here's how they did it. He faked his own death and he changed his name. Boom. There you go. By people, you mean me. I mean, a lot of people. A lot of people think. 
Lots of people did, not I'm... just you. But Brendan is part of that, so there you go. MLW wrapped that up in two minutes for you. Not even two minutes, two seconds. Like one press release. Yeah. Yeah, he faked his death and has a new name. Mira, boom. Which, which actually is what I was expecting watching that in season right. four. Like, he faked his death, come he on. Faked his death. And oh boy, did he fake it. So, slow clap of the week goes to MLW and tying up the Dario Cueto murder mystery that has been haunting us for years in just a few seconds. So now we can confirm he will be going by the name Caesar Duran. Um, also part of the open draft, and this may seem like the structure they're going to be following. They first started the draft by announcing uh, talent that have re-signed or been redrafted, however you want to call it, to MLW. And that included uh, the Von Eriks, Gino Medina, and now being called by a new name himself, King Muertes, no longer Mil, King Muertes is his new name. So they confirmed that all three, uh, four, if you want to count the tag team, uh, have re-signed with MLW and will be part of the next season. So it seems like that's what we're going to be getting every week on the draft, maybe a confirmation of who has re-signed and then introducing maybe a new talent. This week it was Davey Richards who's announced um, that he has signed with MLW. So I like the format. It's very quick, like, you know, 10 minutes. And so it's super easy to, you know, listen to and watch and follow. So I really appreciate the format of this open draft. And it's something that they can keep continuous between now and July 10th when they have their first live show in Philadelphia. So I'm sure we'll continue to see more Lucha names that are re-signed and possibly newly signed to MLW. And I am sure we're going to continue to hear more news from Azteca Underground. That is it in this week's MLW. Up next, Brendan, you have this week's Master Public update. Well, yeah. So uh, we didn't get anything super saucy and uh, announced yet, but uh, we did have a very cool moment from Master Public uh, very recently. I caught the picture of it on Twitter, and that's what made me decide I wanted to talk about this. Lucha-Mask.com, who you've heard our spot for at the very beginning of the show, and you've heard me and Dusty gush on about how many. I'm up to six masks from them right now, and I just ordered my seventh, so, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> that Lakers Pinta mask. It's <laughs> so good. Purple and gold are my colors. I had to have it. But during uh, the a recent episode of the A&E biographies, uh, one of them snuck onto television, too. So, fantastic. Um, I believe... I didn't I didn't identify the mask at the time. I was too excited. But I believe it's was Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the colors. Yeah, black, the, the black and white colors, but yeah. Um, so, cool. Great job. Uh, congratulations to the, the people at at uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution who are the driving force behind Lucha Dash Mask for, for making it all the way through this uh, with really one of the most recognizable like brands of mask out there. Every time I wear mine out, somebody comments on it and then, but more people are like identifying them now too. So like they've said, they saw the blue demon one in NASCAR or they've seen 
seen a couple of other pro athletes have been wearing them in, in places, so it's kind of a big deal. If you haven't gotten a Lucha Dash mask, you really, really, really should just get one for the memory of this wonderful time that we had in twenty in, in the, the 2020s here. Lucha-masks.com They're always releasing new styles. These are, uh, I'll just give you the full court press on this. These are always, uh, they're using a mask maker from Mexico, and if it is for a known personality, that that person gets some of the money. Otherwise, the school, Pro uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution, will get some of the money. So you are always supporting an artist and a, re- a wrestler or a school. So, I mean, you know, for usually no more than $30 unless you want to get the fancy jackets or something. They are fancy and they're really nice. I yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> Lucha-mask.com. Go there. Love it. Love it. Or learn it, live it, love it. There you go. I think that's what it is. Up, up next, we have this week in NXT and pretty light on Lucha content, um, but a very interesting tag team match with Legado de Fantasma facing Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. My And I was telling this to uh, Brendan as we were prepping for this show. My first notes on this match is Legado de Fantasma in over their head uh, because you have the grappler uh, and catch wrestling style of Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, who, as you have seen, maybe seen this match or as I'm about to describe – you know, kind of that fast-paced in and out of the ring style Legado de Fantasma did not really go over in this match. Early on, Tommaso Ciampa chased Joaquin Wilde out of the ring, and, uh, well, Joaquin Wilde was trying to evade Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa caught him and threw him into the chain link barricade. Um, after that, uh, Raul Mendoza got a pretty busted up nose, um, by a running elbow from Tommaso Ciampa. Um, but the referee cleared him to continue in the match. Um, we had a great spot with a double ankle lock, uh, from Thatcher and Ciampa on Legado de Fantasma, but both of them were able to counter rolling out. And then we had a, a spot though towards the end with the grizzled young veterans coming out and hit, uh, Tommaso Ciampa on the apron. I want to say it was a power bomb or some kind of maneuver. I can't remember at this point. Uh, but got him onto the apron. This allowed, uh, for Legato the Fantasma to set up their finishing maneuver and win. So this is a, a pretty big win for Legato the Fantasma as they have their eyes set on the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, Santos Escobar was not there prior to the match. Raul and Joaquin mentioned that he was not taking time away and he would be back. Um, but now the focus is on them, which, you know, could be an interesting way of keeping up some story now where maybe we don't see Santos Escobar for a few weeks and it allows to, us to focus on Raul and Joaquin as they, you know, 
find their way towards the NXT Tag Team Championships. I still feel like Santos is that figurehead, is the the star of that trio. Um, but I do think that it doesn't hurt to not have him around for a little bit and then to surprise see him kind of unexpectedly. But, you know, this match was entertaining for two completely different styles of wrestling. Um, and again, especially during the beginning and in the middle of the match, it really felt like Legado de Fantasma were in over their head. But they found that one opportunity towards the end with the destruction from the Grizzled Young Vets for the win. And then as far as what we'll see next week, we have a little bit more Lucha content. One, we will have the debut of Frankie Monet next week on NXT. Has not been announced against who, uh, but we are going to have what they should have been calling the premiere, the debut of Frankie Monet. Uh, we are also going to see Raul, or, um, not Raul, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai team up to face Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. This week on TV, Raquel and Dakota mentioned that they are setting their sights on the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships to regain them after being the very first champions and losing them. So they will be facing the previous champions next week. And we are also going to get an NXT uh title match Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor the rematch happening next week so some on pretty TV. good on TV so that's mm-hmm. yeah 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 so we'll definitely uh be interested in watching next week's NXT um that's gonna have a lot more content to watch but still as always a really solid showing of NXT up next, though, Dusty, go ahead and take <laughs> us away with This Week in Lucha Libre History. That's right. Now it's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in every single day at LuchaCentral.com for This Day in Lucha Libre History by Pep Carrera. He has information, birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, just amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And this week we chose May the 22nd, 2005, that had Rey Mysterio, the match had Rey Mysterio winning over Eddie Guerrero at WWE Judgment Day. You can't really say he defeated Eddie Guerrero. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a beating. and But it was a really interesting match. This was probably... My favorite match of the four. This was on, this was a heel Eddie face Ray. This was right before the Great American Bash and SummerSlam when you had the, the custody of Dominic. And, you know, such a, a big match. Everybody remembers the I'm your poppy moment that saw, at least everybody that saw it. Many people have seen it since then remember it too, obviously. But it was an incredible storyline at the time. And, and like I say, this is probably my favorite match of the four just because it showed like the heel turn of Eddie and the Taz was on commentary. They, he and Michael Cole really, they just made Eddie Guerrero sound like the worst person on earth. Like it was incredible. Like he really, people were chanting Eddie sucks. It's hard to imagine in 2021 people would chant that, but they were so hot at Eddie. Like he, yeah, it was incredible. What did you think of it, Brendan? 
Well, so first off, I wanted to put a, to, to tie in with that on just uh, how how hot they were. Commentary put over the fact that just two weeks before this match, I don't remember what the exact event was, but he apparently did something terrible to Ray's wife. Uh, as I recall, he Eddie like slapped her or something. I think that was an horrible. episode of SmackDown. From yeah, what I remember. Yeah, um, I remember but, that. So they referenced that. Um, I. I, I really liked the the so one of the things that that Eddie Guerrero is is given a lot of credit for is bringing a more visual storytelling back to Mexico like they were they were doing a lot of of uh, catch wrestling and and not doing and just kind of doing stuff and according to the books and according to people who uh, we're, have done interviews. Uh, it was like Eddie really helped, and and Eddie and and Arfar really helped bring the storytelling in. And that's that's one of the biggest things I noticed right away in this is um, it it was clear. It was very clear that it was a heel Eddie Guerrero from the moment the match started, which was before the bell rang. But uh, it just like he just the way that he stood. The way that he he uh, threw Ray against the ropes, like everything was deliberate. When he had even a momentary advantage, he was doing something awful. He was either punching Ray, you know, with with purpose and intent, or he was, uh, you know, he was trying to sneak an object in the ring or something else. And then the other side of it was Ray was obviously furious because he wasn't trying to uh to do his normal stuff he was trying to throw eddie to the ground and punch him for the first half of the match and then when they it spilled out to the outside where eddie eventually got the out the uh got the advantage ray was trying to hurt him on the outside it wasn't i'm gonna you know do something and get back in so it was all very much going on you could tell that there was it was a super emotional feud and i was really really into that also um I wanted to give a shout out for the fact that this was a match that was officiated by Brian Hepner. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, I did ref, uh, did ref training before everything was shut down. Uh, the Hepners, all of them, Dave Earl and Brian are people that we did a lot of uh, film study. I did a lot of film study on. So, uh, it was super cool to, to see him do this match. And, we haven't talked about the finish yet, but the fact right. that he he was a competent ref handling that finish really, mm-hmm. I mean, like he was a, there was a there was a moment where he was kind of holding the idiot ball for a little too long because there was a there was an interference spot and he didn't look at all at the, in the middle of the ring as people were clearly colliding against each other. Mm. Just, but uh, I mean, for the but he at least turned around saw the important spot and and actually did what a referee should do so i really appreciated that i was going to reference that interference spot by chavo because that was kind of one of my favorite spots in the match as far as everyone in that ring doing the best job possible to keep that story the physical storytelling going um even after uh you know i think it was after 
uh, Ray hit the 619 when Eddie went down and you could see him purpose, purposely push the chair away so that it was out of the sight of the referee. You know, yeah. just those little details little that touches, yeah. the little touches that were like, man, you're so, so smart and always conscious of the storytelling, conscious of every element that happens in the ring. But I agree with you both. It was highly emotional, highly, um, you know, just, uh, I yeah, just highly emotional is just the best word that I have for it. Knowing too in the future what we were gonna see as you hit the road down to SummerSlam with the custody uh match and everything, like this was the beginning of it. And you still have months later on where it got even more heated, even more emotional, even more crazy. And to me, kind of just looking back at that, you could obviously see the chemistry that they have after all of the years. You could see the seeds that they planted for later on in that summer. And, you know, just the way that they could read each other um, and the way that they could kind of just sense really what the person was going to do before they did it uh, in, in a really organic way. And also the fact, I mean, this was a long match. This was 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. and it didn't feel that way. Sometimes you hit a 20 minute match and you're like, wow, this is really long, <laughs> but this match didn't feel that way. So I think, yeah, I think it's because they kept up a really good pace. Of course they had action outside of the ring, uh, with, you know, uh, Eddie slamming, uh, Ray into the announce table and then Ray using the stairs on the other side. So there was a good mix of physicality in and out of the ring, but also the cocky heel, uh, from heelness from Eddie, the, all of that. I think it was yeah. just a well constructed match and probably one that just doesn't get a lot of eyes on it because it was the beginning of their feud and a lot more people remember just the story heading into the custody battle and, and this, the SummerSlam yeah. match. But um, I think this is definitely one of their better WWE matches. I think it's a transcendent WWE match. I think mm-hmm. that uh, you're right. It gets overshadowed by the end of the feud. But you right. have to have a start to the feud yeah. like this in order for it to reach that. And, and uh, I don't recall anybody, any other pairing of people during this period of time or during the the entire attitude era having this much like connection with so little like you attitude era you had Austin Rock and all of the, you had people that had a big connection but it was not it's not this like this this personal where you're just so invested in every little detail of this of this, you know, you, you, it was kind of more big picture then, and I just, uh, yeah, I love the the whole part of that storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it was just an incredible match. Like you mentioned, the psychology and the storytelling were so strong, and something that we just don't see currently right now the, without the crowds. Like the psychology and the connection with the crowd, I really noticed too with Eddie, and yeah, yeah it was just. Yeah, like you say, it transcended WWE. It was just a wonderful match. Well, there you have it. This week in Lucha Libre history, which you can find this day in Lucha Libre history at LuchaCentral.com. But there's so, so much more. Brendan, do me a favor. and Can you tell our listeners what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com? 
let's do this. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, by gosh, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by the executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And my favorite part, my favorite part right always, on top of all of this, this great content, it's free. Uh, LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Well, we just did such a beautiful job talking about WWE that, Dusty, <laughs> I think it's so good, so good. Uh, why don't you tell us this week in WWE? Yeah, well, first up, we had Friday Night SmackDown, and we had Rey Mysterio against Dolph Ziggler. Rey and Dolph have always worked great together. A lot of what Dolph Ziggler does looks too animated to some kind of a cartoonish thing, but against a smaller person like Rey, I thought it made Rey look devastating in some of his spots, which I really liked. And this match also posited Ziggler as the weak link in the tag team, which is a Bobby Roode fan you know I love, and so I like that too. But the story of this whole feud is the dirty dogs have basically been dicks and bullies to the Mysterios. <laughs> so it was really nice to see Ray in the underdog position again and winning again. Like this is the Ray Mysterio we tune in to see. And you know, like if somebody told you you're gonna get Ray Mysterio versus Dolph Ziggler, this is as good as anything they've ever done, in my opinion. And it led in to WrestleMania backlash. And first up, we, we actually had a great match with the Mysterios against the Dirty Dogs. Dolph and Bobby beat up Dominic backstage during the kickoff pre-show. And Ray came out to the match dressed in Adam West-era Batman-inspired gear that was amazing. And he took on both Dirty, Do- both dirty Dogs all by himself. Uh, Ray had the early advantage, but For Ziggler and ten minutes. were able to get their rhythm aligned, and they started to dominate pretty quickly. But Dominic came back. He, despite being injured, he had gear inspired by Mysterio from Spider-Man. He looked fantastic, too, and he tagged himself in and immediately took a spine buster from Bobby, but he was able to hit a super kick on Dolph and turn the tide. Ray was able to get the hot tag, and then he just came and cleaned house. He hit an incredible 619 on Bobby Roode in the corner before tagging Dominic in, and then he sunset-bombed Ziggler onto the apron, and it set Dominic up for the frog splash that secured the win and secured the titles for the Mysterios. I thought it was the wrong decision not to put the titles on them at WrestleMania, and I'm still ambivalent about that. But this match was so good, and it was such a feel-good moment as a fan Mm -hmm. that I'm willing to excuse them not winning at WrestleMania. Like, it really felt special and important. It had an old-school feel to the match with the hot tag at the end and Dominic being injured but coming in to help save his debt. It was so good. Like, I loved this match. It was fantastic. 
But then we got Brendan alluded to it. Our next <laughs> matchup we had we had Miz with Morrison against Damian Priest, and like there was so much I liked about this, and so much that was just terrible. Uh, before the match, we had Morrison saying that he'd go talk to the Lumberjacks and take care of them, and that he was going to snare Damian Priest in his thirst trap, and Miz had to tell him he was using thirst trap wrong. Like, that was hilarious. Uh, Morrison sees the zombies, and Miz was like a parent. Like, he just didn't believe that Morrison actually saw zombies. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Commentary mentioned the zombies are related to Batista's new movie, Army of the Dead, currently on Netflix. But we had zero build to this, and it wasn't sold to us as a spooky match. And I don't know if there – I feel like there's some unspoken connection between WWE and Netflix. We, we had this. They had the Big Show show. While Big mm-hmm. Show was still under contract to WWE, for quite a while the WWE movies were on Netflix – and so I don't know that there's any official connection there, but that is interesting. So, you know, we'll see what the deal is there. But the spooky zombies, they were not great. Oh, cool. While something like this might work with Bray Wyatt or Dexter Loomis and a match between Damian Priest and The Miz, it just felt like chalk and cheese. Like it was just so off and so weird the match itself was fine i guess like it it wasn't great but it wasn't bad but after a couple minutes the zombies pulled morrison over the barricade and apparently ate him and then that gave damian priest the opportunity to hit the lights on miz for the win where zombies swarmed and apparently ate the miz too and like i was really looking forward to this match but it felt so dumb to me as a viewer Damian Priest is better than this, and Raw desperately yeah. needs some fresh and exciting talent. Like, I feel like we've seen everything on Raw, and Damian Priest could have been that guy, especially after WrestleMania, and he could have freshened up the upper end of the card. I was hoping this match with Miz would kind of elevate him from that, but I don't feel like this match did anything for him. It didn't do anything for Miz. It didn't do anything for Morrison. It injured the Miz. He he wrecked his knee in this match, and he's going to be out for a while. So, I mean, it, I, I was not a fan of the zombies. They were in the background on the Thunderdome. When I first saw them, I thought, what are those dipshits doing? Like, pretending to be a zombie. Like, they don't even look tough. Like, it was just... Well, the the makeup was pretty good. I mean, the, our only yeah. context of zombies in pro wrestling was the ECW zombie. <laughs> and for any of us who have watched Wrestlers vs. Zombies, so the quality of zombie in this, though, I have to admit, was top tier. Very good-looking look zombies. Yes. They look great. So that's the good thing that I have to say about this match. <laughs> Just the one. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you said it didn't do anything for Damian Priest. I, I disagree. I think it took away from Damian Priest, which is worse <laughs> than not doing. Because he had, he had a big buzz going, going around yeah. him after working with Bad Bunny. He's legitimately, uh, a, a, a presence in the ring. He's got a great voice. I mean, they need to write better for him but he's he could deliver he could read the from the phone book and somebody would probably be interested in hearing what he has to say i mean like uh 
so they but they they managed to pull away from all of that by having him in this match and and then he did his shoot my arrow thing because he's the archer of infamy i don't know who came up with that but <laughs> he shot his arrow and the name of the movie appeared in the yeah <laughs> I mean, like like that kind of damage uh, to that particular like so now every time he shoots the arrow does that shoot the arrow thing because he's the archer of infamy people are going to see that stupidity in their heads and that's mm-hmm. just you know yeah i mean look wrestling fans to our credit have a very short memory um so <laughs> i feel only sometimes so I- all the sometimes, <laughs> as I, I feel like as much as there's a lot of, you know, complaints around this, I feel like both everyone in this match can bounce back. You know, I don't think this is the nail in the coffin. It's, it's um, not the nail in the coffin for sure, right? Yeah, it's not the, the nail in the coffin, but I absolutely agree that this could have been done differently. This could have even been announced sooner. I mean, I guess not that I don't think it still wouldn't have been dumb. I think the reaction would have been the same, but some tie-in to maybe say Alexa Bliss or The Fiend or maybe one of those darker characters could have been more interesting. But mm-hmm. it did kind of do what, you know, it's meant to do and get buzz. You know, everyone's been talking about That's it. True. Um you know, which yeah. maybe that's just really at the end of the day what it what it was. And to the Miz's credit, anything dealing with Hollywood, I auto always automatically think that's of the true. Miz. Like yep. that is anything dealing with celebrity Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the Miz not only just of his presence, but he is the type of person who can you know make anything related to Hollywood and entertainment entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the, those are kind of me trying to, to make a uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, to do it. But, you know, I mean, so I don't know. Hopefully they got money out of it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't they, know. They had to have gotten money out of it. So I did want to tie this around too, because I mentioned this when we were talking about it. Uh, it is very traditional in Lucha Libre. Like they, uh, CMLL has an event every year for Day for for Day of the Dead, where they uh, where spirits drag the losers off into the underworld, and gods appear on stage and and say, "These are my champions wrestling." So like they have this this supernatural stuff as a regular. Zombies are a regular. Uh, the the Luchador movies. Uh, I I'm quite sure that that santo and yes Mil mascaras and mm-hmm. all of those people fought yeah. zombies numerous times i mean i mostly see mummies and vampires but you know <laughs> that's that's my preference yeah uh, <laughs> but so so uh, it, there is a big lucha libre tradition i don't want to make it sound like that's one of the reasons we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this yes. I, I don't want to make it sound like i we are against zombies but the big thing was that it came out of nowhere and it didn't service the match in any usable way. Like, because there was no build, there was there was no expectation, and then just all of a sudden there's zombies. Like, it's... Yeah. It's if we'd and not... then there were zombies. <laughs> if we'd had a build-up, I'd have been much more enthusiastic about it. You know, or if there had been some context. And... 
You know, like you but I guess had- is there any context in zombie movies when you think about it? <laughs> you know, I mean, not in the just, good ones. Not in the good ones. Shit goes down. Yes. Cemetery. Cemetery. A mall. All of a sudden, zombies yeah. bite your brother. Well, so, and I really went into that because I am a zombie aficionado. Zombie movies are my jam. So there's definitely different categories of zombies as far as their walking style because you have kind of the the uh shifters as far as like those who kind Ooh. of just stumble and and do those small movements which was made famous in you know Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead um then you have more of the fast-paced zombies that you've seen in like 28 days later and then you have more of like those genetically modified zombies which are way like not even human they're more like hybrid mutants which are more resident evil um so i mean like i you know there's lots of layers to it there's lots of different styles to it and as someone that's why i was very impressed with the makeup that was the first thing that caught my attention but that was also the only thing i could say nice about it was that so (laughs) you know there's there's layers to it but you know i to your point brendan like it's worked like lucha libre and entertainment and movies have had a relationship for the longest time it started in mexico you know but i think the difference is is that they didn't bring it into the ring there was always a line dividing it you know and even when there was some context in the ring it made sense you mentioned dexter loomis you know this year's halloween havoc would have is a good example of zombies in a wrestling ring and it made sense and it worked really well so i think there's also that too of a recent example of them using zombies and it worked and then they do this and you're like but but you actually just did that and it worked really well in nxt which is also maybe the case of like everything in nxt is way like done way better than anything on the main roster i don't know there's lots of lots of Lots of things to it. The other reason, the other major reason, in my opinion, the zombies worked in NXT, not just because of uh, the brand, though, is we it, that was the concession going into this, into the whole the whole pay per view was these are going to be matches with spooky twists and things that you don't see the rest of the year. So zombies fit right in with uh, you know the what the demons that were running around, the flames, the Shotzi's wheel of terror or whatever, you know. <laughs> I like the wheel of terror. I, I yeah, mean, it was good. It was, it was, but that, that's my point though. It, all of it was, was building on each other and all of that made it fun. And, and you had one of the best WWE style matches on either side of the, that match uh, of that, of this zombie match. Like you had a great, yeah. You had a great tag team match before it, and you had a great uh, championship match after it, and and uh, then you had that in the middle. So like, there's no, there's no buy-in for it. There's no, you're not thinking, you're not watching the Mysterios win the tag team championship and thinking. Gosh, I wonder if we're gonna see zombies in five minutes. It's just not. Yeah, even- <laughs> yeah very true. Very true. Uh. And we also don't want to forget Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. We had Angel Garza defeating Drew Gulak 
we saw a couple of weeks ago when Garza threatened to shove the rose up Gulak's ass, and then he made good on it. And last week he threatened to shove the rose down Gulak's throat, which it kind of feels like he's de-escalating a little from his influence. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, maybe start with the throat next time. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't follow the rules. He's his own dude. Yes. He started the match by tearing away the pants, so you knew that he meant serious business right away. Gulak got in a little early offense with an abdominal stretch, but Garza dominated the match and won with the wing clipper before he shoved the rose into Gulak's mouth, making good on his threat. And that way you know when Angel Garza threatens you, he didn't just threaten you, he also made you a promise. (laughs) I believe that's a spoiler, as Paul Heyman would put it. Well, don't forget the results for WWE Raw and SmackDown can be found on LuchaCentral.com. Up next, we have a brief uh, update on CMLL. Uh, Yeah, so the uh, pay-per-view, iPay-per-view is coming up. We have the full card. I just wanted to go over that, maybe get a little bit of the hype train going here. So uh, we've got Guerrero Maya Jr. versus Virus in a lightning match, which... Uh, if you don't know what a lightning match looks like, I think they did one on Lucha Underground, but I can't confirm that. I couldn't confirm that ahead of time. Uh, it is, they're gonna go for 15 minutes. It's like an Iron Man match, only faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you just, as many falls as you can get. Sometimes it's only one, so a lot of the times it's, it's more than one. And you've got, uh, you've got a, a your your classic Yave style wrestler and Virus and Guerrero Maya, who is a little more of a high flyer. So you're gonna have a nice clash of styles. Should be very interesting. I'm actually this is one of the most exciting matches on the card for me. So uh, then uh, next we're gonna have Cavanario, Dragon Rojo Jr., Hechicerio versus Fugaz, Stuka Jr., and Titan. Uh, These are classic. Trio's match uh, with two kind of classic CML teams. Um, then we'll have Atlantis and Atlantis Jr. versus Flyer and Volador Jr. and Gran Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero. So it's a three tag team match. You've got a lot of history in here. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. You, You've got a lot of these uh, older wrestlers teamed up with kind of a younger wrestler, with the exception of the Guerreros, where it's two wily vets. So, uh, um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this was the I I I my page cut off. I missed this. This was the this is the Copa. So you've got more than that. You've got, so let's start over again. Atlas and Atlantis Jr., Flyer and Volador Jr., Gran Guerrero, Ultima Guerrero, Quatrero and Sanson, Espiritu Negra and Rey Comeda, uh, Gamilo Diablo and Gamilo Diablo II, Felino and Felino Jr., Black Panther and Black Panther Jr., uh, Blue Panther and Cachorro, Ifesta and Pantera del Ring Jr. Uh, and then 
for some reason, Flyer and Voldador Jr. made it onto my notes again twice. Probably uh, a nice... But yeah, so that's going to be the Copa team. The Copa lineup. So you've got two matches and then the Copa. Uh, it is an iPay-per-view with no video-on-demand options. So, you know, go on to... Uh, on to Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster Mexico, get the get the tickets. Uh, watch this; it'll be should be next Friday, uh, or or a week from when this show is launching. Uh, and that's that's our CML update. Right. And of course, last but not least, we have Impact Wrestling. This past Saturday, we had Under Siege, an Impact Plus exclusive event, and a few Lucha-related matches, Lucha-adjacent. You know, I'm going to stretch a little bit, but uh, still some really interesting matches on this card. First, we had Brian Myers versus Black Taurus, um, with Brian Myers getting the win. With I didn't know that this was the, fin- <laughs> the title of his finishing maneuver, but it's kind of brilliant, called the Roster Cut. Um, and for brian myers why do i keep on liking you so much oh but uh you know black tours actually had the advantage during the beginning of the match with his strength um and speed as as always however there was a point where there was a distraction with brian myers attacking crazy steve and that caused um kind of a hiccup in which Brian Myers was able to change the shift uh, of power in the match. Um, And so with that, uh, Brian Myers won. I don't think a huge loss for Black Taurus. He's still doing well with Decay, um, but still kind of, a you know, as a Lucha fan, uh, disappointing to always ever see Black Taurus with a loss. But actually a great way to start the show. Uh, We also had uh, a number one tag team or number one contenders tag team match. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton versus Team Triple XL versus Rohit Raju and Shira versus TJP and Petey Williams. Um, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton won this match. Um, we didn't get to see TJP with the Mamba Splash, but he had a great partnership with Petey Williams. Kind of an interesting partnership with Petey Williams. Um, where again, they're both in that very dynamic high flying role and not so much PD Williams, but TJP. Uh, but you had lots of different, uh, competitors and wrestling styles in this match. Um, but this, this, uh, the end result happened when Madman Fulton, um, kind of did his own iteration of the end of days, uh, on, uh, Larry D. And then Ace Austin uh, got an elevated splash off of his partner, um, pitting Larry D uh, to win. And they became the number one contenders for the tag team championships. Up next, we had W. Morrissey versus Willie Mack. And, of course, you got some Willie Mack actually using a lot more of his brawling style in this match compared to kind of his speed and his agility, though that did play a role in this match. Um, towards the end of the match, he had a beautiful flying clothesline. Um, but at the end of the day, of course, Morrissey with that big boot um, and getting the win. Uh, and he was about really to to attack uh 
Willie Mack. However, Rich Swan came out for the save, and we haven't seen Rich Swan since his loss to Kenny Omega. So this allowed, uh, you know, in, in the end, uh, for us to be reintroduced to Rich Swan. And again, W. Morrissey is really their big monster now, so it makes sense for him to have that um, win. But you know, Willie Mack hasn't had much of a winning streak um, since last year. So, you know, he's been playing a great supporting role. Maybe we'll see Willie Mack and Rich Swan team up to face W. Morrissey. Um, who knows? But, you know, kind of disappointing. Again, that Lucha Libre presence not coming out with a win uh, during the show. We also had kind of a surprise in the six-man tag uh, match with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice. Uh, with Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice winning, this came um, when uh, Finn Juice was actually um, – Juice came in towards the end, um, hitting the unprettier, taking out Kenny Omega. And then Eddie Edwards hit the Boston knee party on Carl Anderson and got the pin. So um, that was kind of a surprise, knowing the way that the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega have been pretty dominant um, over the past few months that they didn't get the win. But it shows some dissension that they've been teasing for quite a while between Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. And then finally, you had the number one contender world championship match, uh, a six way between, or five, one, two, three, four, five, six way. Sorry, I had to count. Six way match between Sammy Callahan, Moose, Matt Cardona, Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, and Chris Sabin. Um, this match ended just about as what, at least what a lot of people thought, uh, with Moose gaining the win. Um, he won by, uh, picking up the pinfall against Chris Sabin. Um, he did two big chop blocks and lights out, um, to win the match. But overall, this was definitely such a dynamic match with everyone in there. I highly recommend anyone to watch this match because I think that because of the competitors in here, of course, the different styles, what was at stake here, um, it definitely was, I think, the best match of, of the night. So, um, And that does also mean that we do now have a new number one contender for Kenny Omega in Moose, which I think a lot of fans would argue is who they felt should have originally faced Kenny Omega um, at Rebellion that that would have been a much more entertaining matchup, one in which, you know, you could kind of see more high stakes happening. Uh, But nonetheless, you have um, Moose – setting uh setting up a, a match between moose and kenny omega i don't remember the exact show that that's happening at it's happening one soon not but i believe it's going to be before slammiversary um so we will see and I, there seems to be a little bit of a shift of, of moose as much as he's been a heel he's really been pulling about bringing the impact title home so it's almost a a, a face turn slightly um, which I think is actually good for Moose. And he stated that he wants to win the world championship before his contract ends in June. So that's also why it seems like we're getting this match before Slammiversary, because this is a Slammiversary level type of match. However, mm-hmm. um, it does, you know, maybe they're playing on the fact that Moose's contract is ending soon. So they're going to have the match likely before his contract ends, or maybe like very shortly after. Um, 
And one thing to know about this week in Impact Now, again, this is not Lucha-related news, but it's a kind of interesting news, um, that we had uh, the number one the number one contenders match for the tag team titles happen. Ace Austin and Man Man Fulton won the chance uh, to face Finn Juice this week on television. And Finn Juice was successful in retaining their championships. However, Rhino came out with um i forgot the exact title of it but it was that cup that he won last year at slammiversary i think it's the collier shot uh cup and he brought that out with joe doring and he cashed it in to face finn juice and they became the new impact world tag team champions so the tag team titles are back in impact territory on Rhino and Joe during not sure what this means for Finn juice. Um, but it seems like they'll definitely have a rematch somewhere down the line. Um, and speaking of new Japan, they continue to tease, uh, new Japan's presence at Slammiversary on July 17th. They've also done a new teaser where you see lots of imagery, uh, throughout the promo, including the new Japan logo, including two eyes, as you know, as in the iconics, lots of imagery and teasing that again, I think was great last year when they did it, and I think it's still as good this time around. Hopefully, it's even more exciting than last year when it, the, the reveals come around. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're they you mentioned the two eyes, the iconics would be an interesting build for them, but yeah. uh, I I I think they're... That's just my selfishness coming in because they actually have a women's tag. Yep. Easily knockouts tag team belts and, you know, I feel like they could really strengthen the knockouts division as a team and individually. And their humor just works very well with the cheesiness of impact. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they could do it in AEW, but I feel like they're going to have much more airtime and like they'll blend in seamlessly at impact. So it's just me being selfish thinking that, you know, they would uh, do it. I mean, no. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just on the thing because I think they're such a hot, good act that they, there's just going to be demand for them all over the place. Yeah. So that makes, but you, you're absolutely right. They have a women's tag division, so it would be a, a, the best fit overall, in my opinion, because AEW doesn't have a lot of women's tag teams right now, and the indies are the indies, so. Yeah. And, you know, you just want some some stability and the um, pay-per-view that we're going to see Moose versus Rich Swan. I'm not sorry. Moose versus Kenny Omega is against all odds on June 12th. So that's a few weeks. Um, I believe Moose's um, uh, contract ends on June 18th. I don't know why that's coming to mind, but I want to say um, that's right before his contract ends. And that's what he he said, you know, so um, very fitting that this happens um, at against all odds. And then, of course, Slammiversary on July 17th. So a very interesting next few months for impact. Indeed. Yeah. 
And that's it for this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And you can follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Instagram and Facebook and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You can check out Lucha Central's YouTube page that has lots of awesome content, including interviews and matches and lots of awesome videos that you're not going to find anywhere else. So if you want to go down a Lucha rabbit hole, do that on Lucha Central's YouTube page. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am on all the platforms. Uh, it's 321, the numbers, 321, and then T-Shirt Guy. So 321 T-Shirt Guy. I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. If you are listening to this through one of uh, our podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Speaker, and whatnot, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe to get notifications every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. You can leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know what kind of topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Let us know your thoughts on what we talked about this week. And let us know if there's things you wish that we could talk about or things that you don't want to hear us talk about. I don't know. You know we're, we're open to the feedback. We've been doing this thing now for for over a year and we're always open to feedback and how to change things up but you know what in the meantime we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing until we hear otherwise so with that join us next week for another edition of the lucha central weekly podcast you know we bring it to you every single week and especially as this summer starting to heat up, you know we're going to bring you the news that you need to know with AAA, AEW, MLW, AEW, again and again, um, uh, WWE, Impact, tr- CMLL, and much, much more. Also, if you are an independent wrestling promotion or fan or wrestler, don't forget to reach out to Brendan Barr, 321 T-shirt guy, and you could possibly be featured in a future edition of the Indie Roundup. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Respetable público, luchará a dos de tres.